Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Replenish Me radio show. Uh, today, we have a special guest, but before I introduce her, let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm Cordelia Gaffar. I'm the founder of Workout Around My Day, and I help moms to nourish themselves with wholesome food, energize their bodies with movement, and sweet-talk themselves to quiet that negative inner chatter. Um, today, Lisa Swanson, who is my friend and colleague in health and wellness, um, of body and soul coaching is here today to talk to us about physical fitness over the age of 50. She has been a personal trainer for over 30 years and supports men and women to get in shape and stay in shape without injury. She, um, at the age of 56, is living proof that you can always have the body that you've always wanted no matter your age. She's an ACE certified personal trainer health coach, and orthopedic exercise specialist, an AASDN nutrition specialist, a TRX certified and vegan. Through her over 30 years of experience, Lisa has developed a unique approach to training that allows her to challenge her clients at multiple levels of fitness and adapt any program to meet their specific needs. She believes in a lifestyle approach to fitness and wants her clients to have fun gain confidence, and feel comfortable in their bodies. She works with clients one-on-one in her home studio and virtually. So welcome to the show, Lisa. How are you today? I'm doing well, Cordelia. Thank you so much. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. (laughs) Did I cover everything that you've done? Um, I know that you have so many accomplishments and achievements over the past 30 years. I just, I don't know if I fit it all in there. I think you I think you caught everything. It's hard <laughs> to get everything in there after 30 years of, of experience, but I think you covered it pretty well. Great, great. So, you know, many of the moms that I work with are empty nesters or nearing middle age, you know, about 40 to 50 years old. And after a lifetime of prioritizing everyone else, they now want to get in shape, you know, or lose weight but they're at a loss for where to start. Um, So from a physical perspective, tell me how would you help someone like that to get the ball rolling, to get back in shape? Mm. Well, it's very common for women at this age group to start thinking about taking care of themselves. Like you said, because they've been taking care of everybody else, they sort of feel like they've let themselves go and they want to get in shape now and really take care of themselves. Unfortunately, they waited instead of doing it earlier. But like I said, it is common. I think one of the main things that they need to remember is to start slowly. So many people want to jump in and do everything all at once. They're going to eat right. They're going to exercise every single day and do cardio, you know, six times a week and weights five times a week. And right. Really, you're setting yourself up for failure when you do that. It's, it's classic way to react um, think about every single year when New Year's Eve rolls around, all those New Year's Eve resolutions that people make. <laughs> yes. Right? The gyms right. are mobbed in January. Everybody's in there and at all hours of the day and night trying to get in shape. But then go back to the gym, you know, February 1st. <laughs> there's not many people there. So right, it's empty. Exactly. I wouldn't want to see that happen to them. Um, so I think starting out slowly so that they don't get burned out and also to prevent injury. You know, I'm all about preventing injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really important. Um, I think if you hire somebody, if you have not had any experience at all, I would hire a local trainer, somebody who can really be with you, watch your form, make sure you're doing it correctly and make sure that your workout is at the right level for you. You don't want to just open up a workout that's in a magazine and say, oh, here's a great workout, I'm gonna do it. You have no idea, it may be a good workout. I'm not gonna say magazine workouts are horrible workouts. It may be a very well-balanced, fine workout for somebody in their 20s or 30s. Maybe it would be horrible for you because the magazine doesn't know that you have bad back pain or you've been sitting at a desk for 30 years or you broke your leg five years ago and there's your hips are off centered. So I would say hire a professional, right? 
know where you're starting so that you can do the best job for your body. So we had, so you can have a balanced workout. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. You don't want to go in it, you know, uh, overwhelming yourself. Um, we can't um, we can't just you know dive in full force. And and you bring up a really good point. You know, a lot of time people uh, be you know back to the prioritizing everybody else. They're not uh, used to investing in themselves. So the thought of hiring someone to work with directly just doesn't cross their mind. They're thinking, oh. I'll just pick up prevention magazine or fitness magazine and I can, you know, figure it out. Exactly. They may even feel a little guilty to hire somebody for themselves. You know, like you just said, if they are so used to taking care of everybody else and putting themselves on the back burner, hiring a trainer is really putting yourself up on that front burner. And that (laughs) is uncomfortable. It is. It really is. So, um, So you brought up a couple of great points there. You're saying that some benefits of working with someone directly is they can actually see the posture of someone and they can get the physical and medical history of someone. So should they go and see a doctor maybe? Yes. Yes. I think they should get the go ahead. You never know what underlying issues could be happening with somebody. I was working with a client um, actually not too long ago, and she had not been working out for a while because she had some injuries. She had trained with me quite a while ago, and it had been three years since she had trained. And, um, you know, we had to very, very slowly, and she, she was frustrated with not being able to lift as heavy as a weight as she thought she would be able to. We went way back to the beginning. <laughs> but it was appropriate. And then we noticed there was some, she told me, oh, I have some swelling in my leg. And it's like, mm. and one leg. And it's like, well, did you hit, bang your leg? Is something going on? They said, no, I don't think so. And she was going away for a vacation, didn't notice much, comes back again. Now the whole leg is swollen. Don't know oh, what's wow. happening. Be a doctor. <laughs> sure enough, there was a blood clot. <gasps> right. Wow. You know, that's one of the signs of a blood clot being there. It's like, yeah, I can't work with you now. You need to see a doctor. So sometimes <laughs> Being a professional will point out, I hopefully, if you're seeing a professional, they're going to say, get a doctor's clearance first, if you have not been exercising for a while, because you never, ever know what could be going on inside. Could seem perfectly healthy, but you never know. Something as simple as a swollen leg, which you're thinking, "Ah, I must have banged it. What's going on? Oh, I've got some water retention. No, maybe not. (laughs) You never know. Wow. That is really something. And and blood clots can be very serious. So, Exactly. Okay. They need to know. And if they're with the trainer, the trainer could probably point some things out too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another thing, Lisa, um, a lot of women come to me, even younger than 40, they'll say to me, oh, you know, we just have to sweat it out. We have to do, you know, hours of cardio in the gym. And myself, I personally, I'm not a fan of cardio just because it's never really worked for me. Um, And I always try to redirect them to weights, you know, because it's just a shorter, more condensed, more impactful workout, right? So what are are your recommendations? Well, I would say I, I recommend both. I mean, the heart is a muscle and you do need to exercise it. So for that reason alone, yes, do some cardio workouts. And cardio is good for burning extra calories when you're trying to lose weight. I think the problem comes in when people think it's the only solution. Mm-hmm. Um, because people think, exactly, um, you see the commercials. So people are getting on cardio machines and they're sweating like crazy. And the cardio machines say, hey, you're going to burn 600 calories in 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm not so sure I believe that. <laughs> but it's. So it's very compelling, and you think, well, I just have to get on there. It's mindless. They don't have to think about it, and they're thinking it works. But, again, let's go back to that gym that everybody went to in January, and you look at the people who are on the cardio machines that that are on there religiously, and they go for an hour, two hours, and their bodies don't change, Mm -hmm. right? You see them a year later. Maybe they might be a couple of pounds lighter, or maybe they lost a couple of pounds in the beginning, and then they plateaued out. And they didn't change anything, but they have not changed because that long duration, lower intensity cardio, although it burns a higher percentage of fat, that's how mm-hmm. our energy systems work. You're burning much fewer calories, so you're not burning all that much fat. 
what does work in cardio, which is very beneficial, is when you start getting into HIIT training or high-intensity interval training, which is a way of working out where you work out at a super high intensity, like all-out max effort for a minute, mm -hmm. and then drop it down at a very moderate or light pace, say, for a minute. They're timed intervals, and you go back and forth. And that really helps your body to not only burn a lot of calories during the workout, it helps you to hold on to the muscle that you have because that longer duration exercise was actually probably burning away some of that hard-earned muscle you've been trying to get. Right. And, right. and it also has an after effect, meaning after you stop the exercise with the high-intensity interval training, you're burning calories for like another up to 24 hours, depending on how hard you pushed it. So that oh, wow. does make a difference. The only thing is, if somebody's just starting out, that's too intense. I wouldn't start somebody out with interval training. I'd say work your way up to a steady state where you can stay at the same rate for 30 minutes at a good pace before you start adding interval training. Interval training should only be done a couple of times a week because it is very stressful on the body. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I haven't heard um, really great no 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 it's not hit it's um what's the other one called crossfit um yeah crossfit's very different yeah um and crossfit honestly there's a lot about crossfit that i'll tell you i don't like but mm -hmm. i also know of an ex a very very well accomplished intelligent trainer who has a crossfit studio but he's training them properly so it can be done properly but be very very careful of who you go to Okay, so I, I, I just want to sidebar here. So how would you determine, uh, well, CrossFit, is that something really that uh, someone in the age range that we're talking about could, could even do? Or is that like a buildup? Oh, that's a buildup. Okay. That's All definitely right. a buildup. Somebody who has a, who's been unfit, who hasn't been doing anything for a while, I think should start out with the basics. Make okay. sure they're... When I say start with basics, I mean get an assessment. Make sure, you know, when I do an assessment with a client, I'm making sure their shoulders are sitting properly. Does their thoracic spine have mobility? Is their lower spine stable? Are their hips mobile? Are their knees stable? You're looking at things like that so you can do corrective exercises while you're getting them to their goal. And that needs to be done before you start doing that crazy stuff. Right. <laughs> yes. You have to get the proper form. You have to, you know, get their, their muscle memory back if they did work out when they were younger, right? right. And, um, and the, all those basic things. So then what are some of the biggest downfalls that you see with workout routines? Uh, do you mean workout routines that I see in like a magazine or? Okay, so yeah, two, two questions there with the, um, with the do-it-yourself workout routines and then secondly um with people that you've worked with directly do do they ever veer off from what you've set up for them oh okay um so the do-it-yourself routines um one is i i think people don't really know what their starting point is because they've looked at magazine after magazine or searched the um internet there they've got so much different information that they really don't, from different sources, I don't think they have a clear concept on what it takes to build a proper routine. So a client will come to me and say, well, I've been working out for a couple of months. I say, okay, what's your workout consist of? And it might be, well, I do cardio a few times a week and then I do some machines. It's like, well, what machines? Well, it depends on my mood. You know, I go mm. in and I go around the circuit, not sure what they are. So they're doing it without any education behind it and with no forethought of what's to come. Once a proper routine not only is set up properly for where the client is right at that moment, it's you also are setting up for them to succeed month after month. So you need a progressive program that's one program is going to build on the next. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. So let's say, let's go back to that client that came to you. They've been doing their, their DIY for a couple of months, and then you set them up on a program. You are they um, compliant with your program, <laughs> or do they just <laughs> do they say, ah, oh, you know, I kind of know what's going on here? I would say for the most part, I mean, they're paying me, so for the most part, yes, <laughs> they are. They are listening. 
Um, okay. If they're not listening, there's going to be a conversation. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to do either of us any good if they're not doing what I'm asking them to do. I mean, that's especially that that would come in more with the nutrition. That's the harder part. I think with workouts, people they think people appreciate having something all written up for them so that they don't have to think. Yes, this is true. This is true. I was just wondering, you know, so speaking of nutrition, so, you know, of course, maintaining um, a great workout is necessary, but what are your nutritional recommendations? I, I, I know that you're a vegan. Do you <laughs> like encourage people especially women that are approaching middle age to be vegan. And I'm just going to say that because from my perspective, you know, now that I'm in my mid forties, I'm finding that eating meat less and less actually makes me feel better. So, um, do you really discourage meat um, for older women or how do you handle that? That's a great question. Um, being vegan, I have not been vegan for a long time. I've only been vegan for about three, maybe a little over three years. Yeah. I actually, believe it or not, grew up in a household with my father was a butcher. <laughs> so <laughs> how did I end up there? Um, I, I never believed that veganism was the proper way to eat. I believed that we needed animal products to be strong and healthy and thought that was the right way to go. My um, first dip into going vegan was from learning about the abuse of the animal. So it really uh. didn't come from a nutritional standpoint. It came more from a political standpoint and morals for me. Okay. Um, and then I started saying, okay, well, I better eat properly because I just couldn't see myself going back to eating animal products. So I learned more and more about it and learned about how healthy it was and how it can reverse cancer and how it can reverse so many different ailments. Personally, I suffered with horrible IBS for 15 years, went to doctor after doctor, acupuncturist, all kinds of people trying to cure it. And it wasn't until I went vegan that my IBS was cured. Interesting. So, it was, it was a huge change for me, a life change for me. And I do believe in it. Although I, I can't be so naive to think that one way of eating is proper for everybody. I think years ago, we did eat meat and it was probably healthier because it fit more in with the food chain. Now with right. back farming, there's nothing natural about that. And I think right. people be careful. I think, they, I think people eat too much protein. It's been, um, I mean, I know protein is very important and you need to eat it throughout the day in order to maintain your muscle, but you don't need it in the amounts that everybody believes they need it in. I mean, our, you know, ancestors, you know, before they had refrigerators, were not <laughs> killing <laughs> huge steer and then having that meat around to eat every single day, right? It, right. <laughs> it died. You know, they would die if they continued eating it. So I think it was something that was eaten very little of. Um, and then they ate their berries and their their vegetation and their grains. Right. So in that respect, that's how I believe in veganism. But no, I don't believe I should tell others that they need to eat vegan. I think that would be naive on my part. And I don't think I'm going to, going to help people very much that way. It, nutrition is so incredibly complex, not just in that everybody's body handles nutrition differently. Emotionally, we handle it differently. Culturally, yeah. We handle it differently. So you need to be able to respect people's cultures and their emotions around this because it's such a huge part of our life, right? It was, it's our first pleasure. It's Absolutely. how we socialize. So I think you need to be very sensitive to that. Um, but in general, I'll tell people that, you know, eating whole foods, whole clean foods, processed foods are not good for us. They're devoid of nutrition and if you're not getting the right nutrients, our bodies are not going to utilize what our carbs and fats properly if we don't have the other vitamins and micronutrients and phytonutrients to go along with it. So for that reason, I would say, yes, you need to eat whole foods. That has to be the basis of your diet. If I were to take somebody's plate, and because I don't like to bog people down with how many macros to have each day, say, right. just balance your plate out. You were to take a plate, fill half of it with your vegetables, about a quarter of it with your protein, and then about an eighth of it with some starchy carb, like your potatoes or rice, um, things like that, quinoa, mm -hmm. and another eighth of it with the healthy fat. 
And that would be a nice way to balance out emails, just a general guideline. Right. I like that. And, you know, going back to what you were saying about our ancestors and the way that um, our food production is these days, when I work with people, um, I kind of, I, I more take a lot of things into consideration. <clears throat> you know, I live out in the sticks, so I live in the country and um, I've learned a lot about um, meat that, you know, there are seasonal meats um, as well as, you know, we already know that there's seasonal produce. So I um, also kind of encourage people to honor the cycle of life um, as far as food production goes. And, um, well. you know, so I, I, I feel like you should not be eating a watermelon in January <laughs> because watermelons can't grow in January. They grow in August. That's the season for watermelons. And um, when we first moved out here, I was like, oh, you know, I, um, I think we should get our meat straight from the farm. And, you know, everyone was like, great. So there are a lot of um, months that we go without meat because there's spring chicken, <laughs> you know. And so, Maybe. you know, that, that's the thing, you know. So in the winter, there, you know, there's usually bones available from older chickens from the previous year. So you can have broth in the winter. And then once April comes, then you can start, is it April or May? You can start having like proper spring chicken. And then there's lamb that becomes available. And then um, depending on like the cycle of the farm, um, you could have beef, maybe not even until July sometimes. So, you know, just by going with the flow and, you know, a lot of times you can find out what are the seasons by going to a farmer's market or just really reconnecting with the source, you know, instead of running to the grocery store all the time. So even right. the health food stores, right? You go to the health food stores, like um, there's one here and um, I was like, okay, why do you have, what was it? I think they had pomegranates. Pomegranates are in season like in November, but they had them in September and they said, well, you know, technically we have a grocery store license. So there's certain vegetables we have to make available. So, you know, you can't even trust your, you know, your healthy, natural uh, food store sometimes with that. I know you have to be careful. Have you ever heard people say, <laughs> like you ask them, well, what did you have for lunch? And say, oh, it, it was healthy. I got it at Whole Foods. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. Just because they bought it there is nothing against Whole Foods, but just because they bought it there, it's automatically healthy. I mean, you can still get chips and salsa at, at Whole Foods. And chips are chips. And I've done this in my nutrition workso workshops. Like, we'll get Frito-Lay chips, and then we'll get the Way Better chips. You know that brand? And um, they'll have fewer ingredients, but at some point, you know, they'll have still some kind of oil, you know, canola oil versus safflower oil. You know what I mean? It's like oil is oil, you know, so uh, that's a good point. Even if it's healthy junk food, it's still junk food. <laughs> right. And it's not a nutrient dense food. It's you're not getting anything out of it. That's right. Yeah. You cannot have, you know, sweet potato chips. And it's not, it's not going to give you what a sweet potato will give you. <laughs> right. <laughs> not At the end of the day, yeah. And you made another great point about honoring the different nutrition types. And I think um, a lot of people don't recognize, you know, how unique and how amazing our bodies are. And we do have different nutrition um, types. So, mm -hmm. you know, everybody can't eat all the same thing. Right. Very you different. Know? Yeah. Um, you see a husband and wife get together and they try to go on the same diet. The you know, husband does great and the woman's not losing anything. She's like, what the hell? <laughs> like, well, you can't eat the way your husband eats. You have to eat differently. <laughs> yeah, you have a whole different body. Never mind you're a different gender, you know, so. Yes. Um, yeah. So now we've talked about a lot about exercise but I'd like to say, you know, I'd like to ask you as far as weight maintenance, right? So let's say we've got them to lose the weight now. Um, I, I say, and you can tell me what's your take on this, but I say that weight maintenance is 70% in the kitchen, 10% in the workout. That's once you've gotten to the right weight for your body. Um, mm -hmm. And 20% is mindset. How do you feel about that? 
Oh, interesting. That's interesting. I'd have to give it more thought to see if I agree with those numbers because I'm, I'm so <laughs> anal. I would have to say, now let me see. Is it exact? <laughs> but yes, I would give the um, bulk of the load to the kitchen okay. because weights do not get you to lose weight. I've seen it over and over again, clients <laughs> losing weight and they don't pay attention to nutrition. And it's like, why do you think you're going to lose weight? If you're not, <laughs> if you're not going to pay attention to your nutrition, you can't exercise away bad nutrition. That just doesn't happen. On the other hand, if you're trying to eat, well, let's see. If they're trying to maintain, that's a little bit different. I'm thinking if somebody's trying to diet, I'm putting up little air quotes. They're trying mm -hmm. to diet and they're not working out. They just become a smaller version of what they are. They're going to lose muscle and all of that. So it's important that they have both. That's hmm. number one. They've got to have actually all three. You mentioned mindset too. They have to have all three. Um, but yes, the bulk of if you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to maintain a proper physique, nothing's going to happen without the right nutrients going into your body and not just the number of carbs and proteins and fats. I'm talking about your micronutrients, your minerals, your vitamins, your phytonutrients from plants, um, your zoo chemicals coming from animals, right? All right. of this. You need to be getting all of it in order for our body to run, to function properly and to handle all of these foods. Because you're not just what you, you're not what you eat. Everybody says you are what you eat. You are what you absorb. So mm -hmm. if you're not getting the right nutrients, micronutrients into your body, you're not going to be absorbing things properly. Because maybe some enzymes aren't firing up because you're lacking in something. So it, again, goes, goes back to that whole foods diet that's really going to keep your weight and control and then of course the workout because you need to maintain your muscle because you don't work out you're going to lose it we lose five pounds of lean tissue every decade wow. so right it's a lot you don't want to get weak so you have to have that going on in the mindset part of it if you're stressed think of all the cortisol mm -hmm. that's released that's you know that's putting weight back on you no matter what you do that's putting on you. And part of mindset is also recovery. Do you have downtime? Do you have playtime? Are you getting enough sleep? All of those can affect what your body looks like. So you have to have all of that. And I'd say, I, I guess you could say, you know, as far as those percentages, uh, those are great, but that might be a fun thing to do with a client and ask them which ones they think are more important. Because somebody who is totally stressed out, they may say, well, mindset's 30% of it, 40%, mm, <laughs> because they're yeah. going time yeah that's a really good point I, I noticed for myself um like working with clients for some people and again it goes back to body types you know I can't stress enough how unique our bodies are for some people when they're stressed out just the the hormones alone will make them blow up or have inflammation right mm -hmm. um and then the other part of that is you know other people the hormones or the stress will cause them to make poor food choices. I call it bad mood food. And right. um, that will make them blow up, but it's a different kind of, uh, you know, weight gain. Right. So. Right. And then there's the, the third one who the stress makes them not eat and they go yes. into fight or fight and their, their levels are, you know, they're, they're burning calories like crazy. <laughs> yes. Right. That's true. That's very true. I have one of one of those women in my community, you know, my stress-free sisterhood. So she, that's one thing. Um, whenever she's stressed out, she'll actually forget to eat. And she she's already petite, you know, so her real problem is maintaining a normal, healthy weight because she's always going the wrong direction. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people wish that they had that problem, but I'm sure she's just as frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, extremely frustrated. But you know, just as we're talking about stress here, and we had mentioned earlier about the low intensity, long duration cardio not being beneficial. Mm -hmm. This is one time when it is very beneficial. Because okay. when you all that stress, your body's releasing cortisol. And we know too, cortisol can be beneficial actually for muscle building. But if it's you have too much cortisol, now you start talking about fat belly storage that, you know, I think everybody and their brother are talking about that. <laughs> so if you have that going on, weightlifting, high intensity cardio is going to create even more cortisol. Right. 
So it would be very beneficial for somebody who's stressed out to do low intensity, long duration cardio. Do some yep. yoga, some Tai Chi, things that are going to lower their cortisol levels. And they probably that's, see a lot of results from that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, yeah, and a lot of people don't take that into account that um, that you have to change your workout according to your stress level as well. That's a really key point. Right. So we've talked, you know, a little bit about food and, you know, about stress. And that's something I notice a lot with older women. And that's why I have my stress-free sisterhood. So what challenges other than that um, do women face? You know, like what kind of lifestyle um, challenges? I'm, I'm more talking about like the perimenopause what oh, can, yeah. So many. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay, so perimenopause, menopause, starting all of that, your hormones are changing. So obviously, as your estrogen levels drop, um, you will put more body fat on. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think when is it, oh dear, is it progesterone or, or is three or four days during your cycle where your estrogen level increases that you actually burn more calories. So there's three or four right. <laughs> days a month that you're not getting that extra little burn going and that goes away. Um, so physiologically things are slowing down even more, but mentally, mentally people start feeling old. So I'm in, starting menopause. I'm old. And I think that whole mindset part of it might be a reason why they start to give up when they don't need to. I've had so many people come to me and say, and I, well, if I get to the question of, you know, what do you want to accomplish? What weight do you want to lose? And they say, well, I'd love to lose 25 pounds, but I know that's impossible. So I'll settle for 10. Hmm. I did that over and over again. So right away, it's the mindset because you can overcome what's going on in menopause. Is it a little bit harder? Yes. Does it take a little bit longer? Yes, because we're getting older. But if you have the mindset already that uh, it's downhill from here, <laughs> I'm in menopause, <laughs> this isn't going to work, then you're never going to get anywhere. I think you, I don't know, maybe what they need to do is start listening to some older women <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, listen to me, listen to, go on TED Talks, there's plenty of older <laughs> Um, making some talks about how wonderful it is to be in your 50s and 60s and 70s. Yeah. Yeah. One, so, one person, I, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I was just thinking, I think, yeah, that's a big part of it. It's, it's the mindset. Even though the physical things are going on, mindset, number one. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and one woman that I've been following for a while since I, you know, turn 40 or maybe even right before I turn 40 is Dr. Christine Northrup. Oh, um, she's yes. I love her. The ageless goddess. Yeah. Um, and she's well into her sixties right now. I think she, I feel like she's 65 or something. Yeah. But she, she work with her now. Yeah. She's amazing. She, she looks amazing and you know, she's really, um, I mean, when you, when you think about it, it's kind of like, um, it's a rebirth, you know, of your, of yourself. So going into menopause is not, you know, the end of life. It's the beginning of a new part of your life, you know, or the rest of your life. Oh, that's um, great. And women automatically start feeling that way. Like you started out the beginning of us talking that, you know, women reach this age and start saying, I'm going to start taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. It's so common. So you read that ties that all into it being a rebirth for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So now with that, you know, you talked about specific hormones now, the progesterone and the estrogen. So does that play into um, clients getting injury or are they more susceptible to injury um, after menopause or perimenopause stage? No, I wouldn't say that it's because they're perimenopause or menopause or after menopause that makes them more susceptible to injury. I think it's what led up to it is what mm. leads to that. All those years of taking care of other people and thinking that you needed to be on the back burner 
is what leads up to that. Because now you've had years of not taking care of yourself. You don't have enough muscle, so you're not strong. You haven't been exercising, so your bones are brittle. You haven't been eating properly, so your bones are brittle. And you're you're not moving properly. Your core is weak. Your functional movements aren't flowing. I think that's really what leads to injury, not the age. Because there have been studies, and I wish I could say who had the study, of men and women in their 90s performing strength training and making incredible gains. Oh, wow. So it's it's never, ever too late to build muscle. It takes a little bit longer and you need longer recovery, but it's never too late. I believe it's what led up to it, what mm. led up to not taking care of yourself. Because, I mean, like, you know me, Cordelia, I'm 56 and right. I'm in pretty good shape. And yeah. I've had a little bit of setbacks this past year because I, I was in the hospital for a little while with kidney stones and some complications with that. And got to experience like, oh boy, this is what feels <laughs> like. <laughs> back. So I'm actually working on my own little road right now, but it takes a little bit longer. But imagine if I had not been fit to begin with. Hmm. This would have taken a lot more out of me. I was amazed at how much muscle I lost, and I started thinking, wow. So for these women who have not been exercising and letting that natural loss happen of losing five pounds every ten years. Imagine how weak they would have been going into an injury like this or an illness like this and how much weaker they would have been coming out. So, yeah, back to what did you do before you reached menopause? Yeah. Yeah. And that that is um, kind of like the muscle memory, you know, that we were talking about before your um, you know. Oh, and let me share the story with you, actually, because uh, one of the women we're probably going to start working together. She's joining my sugar detox challenge, which starts next week. And, um, she is, I want to say 52 or just turned 50. And she is really, really, you know, um, overweight. Um, and you know, but she's an empty nester. So her youngest child just went to college and, you know, she was like, Cordelia, I'm so happy I met you. <laughs> I really need to start to get it back together because I used to do yoga and I did yoga for like, you know, almost 20 years. And, um, you know, we, I mean, we've been talking for a couple of months. So she's like, what do you think about me trying yoga again? I said, I think that would be awesome because your muscles are going to remember that. So I saw her last night and she's been doing this yoga class for three weeks. And she's like, can you believe that I'm more flexible than all the skinny people in that class? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Great. So, yeah. Oh, that's it, wonderful. What a yeah. great success to have at the beginning of a journey. Yes. And so she's really encouraged and she feels really good about that. And I'm, you know, I'm really supporting her in that because um, at first she was like, well, you know, I need to lose weight. Should I... Um, what do you think, what is the best way to burn fat? And so that's when I asked her what, you know, what was your routine before? So she told me yoga and dancing. I said, I would stick with what your body knows because she was thinking about working out with weights and that would lead straight to injury and she would be discouraged, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Well, she could do the, the yoga and dancing. I love that recommendation because she knows it. She's going to feel successful immediately, which you've already proven. That is great. But I would add in a basic functional resistance training for her, okay. meaning working her core, working through. Um, I always look at the joints. Our joints are stacked to be stable and mobile, meaning if you look at our ankles, are meant to be mobile. Our knees stable, the hip mobile, low back stable. The thoracic spine is meant to be mobile scapula stable, shoulder mobile. So it alternates going up. So I actually mm -hmm. take somebody and look at that and see, okay, what do they need? What needs more stabilization? What needs more mobilization? And I start there with adding in core work. Uh. And start there so you've got a nice foundation. You go, okay, we've got you moving properly. Now let's add some weights onto this so we can get up your strength. Oh, I see. Okay. That, for that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. So resistance training in her case, um, would you 
would you say like just calisthenics or actually she should use, I mean like I'm thinking her using her own body weight yes because yeah because um more than that yeah probably anything more just like I said something working in um, so you're, you're more nutrition-based, but when a trainer is designing a program, they look at those joints. Oh, they're good. They're looking at those joints and figuring out <laughs> the mobilization. Like if I know I need hip mobility, I'm going to do something to get her to do a squat. And everybody mm-hmm. can do a squat, whether it's with assistance or not. They can do a squat to get through that range of motion through the hip. And then I'm going to do something where I'm going to try to rotate the hips a little bit. And getting okay. the more mobility in there, or something where they're rotating their torso, like wood chops. If anybody knows what that is, bringing some rotation into their torso. So anything that's just going to get them moving through the different planes of motion, because there's like three basic planes of motion that we move people through. And they, um, I don't want to get into all of that, but right. a good routine is going to make sure they're utilizing or having the client work through all the different planes of motion. So balanced workout, that's what a balanced workout really is with just adding some, some, uh, jargon in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that really answers my other question, which was, how do you suggest that clients stay encouraged after injury? You kind of don't give them the opportunity to get injured. <laughs> Looks but like, it but it happens, you know, injuries happen they, because most injuries don't happen in the workout room. They happen outside the workout room. Mm. Um, I have a client now who, um, male plays, uh, he works out with me a couple of times a week. I do his nutrition, but he also bowls. He plays softball. Um, he's very active basketball. And, um, you know, we had to stop because, you know, he hurt his wrist. He's not quite sure what's wrong with it. So we'll, we'll go back to our session and just say, okay, how can we work around this wrist? What's going on with it? What can we strengthen? So injuries happen. I think what I would recommend when people have injuries is be patient. That's the best thing you can do is to be patient. Not Mm. saying don't do anything because now, well, I think in the olden days, they used to say, okay, don't move it for a while. But now the general rule is get yourself moving because the quicker you get moving, the quicker you get the synovial fluids flowing and nutrients getting to that joint. Right. So you want to get that moving but in a proper way and sometimes that's out of the range of practice out of the scope of practice for a personal trainer it depends on what their skills are and you may have to relate um have the person go to a physical therapist but i would say don't you know just be patient with yourself it's not going to happen overnight and if you're not patient then you're going to set yourself back even more and now you're really going to be upset that <laughs> you can't work out for another two or three weeks right right and again that goes back to recovery so once someone's working out um, or they're recovering from an injury, like how much sleep? Yeah, let's talk about sleep. How much sleep do they really need? Um, you know, we hear oftentimes, like I know even my dad, when he was in his 70s and 80s, he would sleep like five or six hours a night. But he also took a couple of cat naps during the day. So that probably... I don't know how many hours it added up to, but how many hours should you be sleeping the older you get? Well, it's, it depends on how much you're breaking your body down during the day. Mm. But yeah, in general, they say seven to nine hours. And personally, I feel like that's a lot of hours to sleep. I've never been <laughs> sleep a ton of hours, which is probably to my detriment. But um, as when somebody's first starting out and I'm looking at his sleep, I'm not going to say, you know, if they're sleeping four hours a night, I'm not going to say, you need seven to nine hours of sleep. It's gonna be, <laughs> let's try to stretch that to four and a half. Let's right. try to get a bedtime ritual going on that puts you in the, in the right mood or whatever to relax you and go to sleep. Put all your electronics away. Shut your TV off. Don't eat an hour before you go to bed. I think that's, I, I don't want to go to bed with a full stomach. Yeah. Um, and just gradually add some time on. And probably add, as you start adding that time on, your body will probably start saying, hey, I really like this. And they may even find that they start losing weight if they've been stagnant. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people can't lose weight because they haven't slept. All that repair and replacement of your cells happens while you're sleeping. Yeah, that's what I always tell my clients. It's a natural detox. You know, everybody wants to do a detox, but really, if you just sleep. <laughs> exactly. You know? 
Exactly. Yeah. I may have a couple of people for you for your sugar detox. It sounds pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's what I'm, I'm basically going to be using foods and movements to help people to detox. Because, you know, I, I, I just don't like, I'm, I could really go on about this, but, you know, just real quickly, you know, uh, people need, you know, saying that they have to do a juice detox and three days of this, you know, there's so many foods that if you just incorporate them in your diet, you could be, you know, detoxing every day. <laughs> so, exactly. Right. Yeah. Our bodies naturally detox. They do. But we, if but you so, let them. <laughs> right. Right. If you let them. I love that you say you're going to add some movement into that. I, I always worry about the detoxes that say, okay, now don't do any exercise for a week. And it's like, well, what are they doing to them that they can't move? Yeah. Yeah. How's love- that even possible? <laughs> Right, right. That's a great way to go about it. So, you know, old habits die hard, though. You know, and even when I do my challenges, I've seen people go through my five-day challenge, and then, you know, a couple of days later, they'll fall off again. Mm-hmm. What do you do to keep people on track? So let's say you worked with somebody and you got them all the way, you know, they reached their goals with you. Um, how do you give them a maintenance routine um, that will really keep them on track? That is a great question. Um, Actually, what happens for them to stay on track with maintenance, believe it or not, starts at the beginning of their program. Hmm. Um, As you know, I don't believe in diets. I don't Mm -hmm. give out plans. I won't do that because I don't think it teaches anybody anything. But what I teach people in the very beginning of their program is some basic um, tools to work with. It could be as simple as cueing into their hunger, their hunger cues, right? Tapping mm. into their hunger cues. I guess that's the best way to say that. Teaching right. them you're going to eat slowly without any distractions to 80% full. That's one of the first things that everybody goes to. And they might go, oh, how am I going to lose weight with that? And it's like, well, <laughs> if I start teaching you macronutrient goals, you might lose weight in the beginning, but you're not going to keep up with that. One of the basic foundations is learning how to slow down and eat. So mm-hmm. you have time to hear your body say that you're full, only mm-hmm. eat until you're 80% full. So you know, so you don't want to eat till you're stuck. And so that's a very basic habit that if they can learn at the very beginning of their program and all throughout it, if they fall off their program or they're trying to maintain, they can go back to that very basic foundation. And they'll be like that. Yes. Um, or, you know, just balancing your plate out, learning to eat whole foods, you know, all of those things, you take the habits for your clients and you make them as simple as possible so that they can be successful, so that once they're successful, now they're feeling confident. And if they're feeling confident, they're going to say, you know what, I could take this habit to the next level. And then they, they keep on building on it and building on it. But start with you start with the simple ones. Everybody does. No matter where they're at, they start with those the most basic, simple habits so they can be consistent. That, that really makes a lot of sense. So, okay, what about um, hydration? Do you... I mean, you, yeah, you're, you're like me when it comes to hydration. So I don't see you telling people you got to make sure that you have like, you know, um, eight glasses of water or what, what's the formula? It's like half an ounce for every pound that you are. So what, what is your, your, um, your thing with the hydration? You know, it, we're all different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that. We're all different. Um, I would say if people have a hard time eating water, drinking water rather, <laughs> you know, it's if then they're only drinking two glasses of water a day and five cups of coffee a day. We all know that's not good for you. Yes. But to tell a client, you need to drink eight glasses, they're going to say, well, they're going to be unsuccessful. Right. So back to them being successful. So it might be, okay, can you trade out, keep those two glasses of water? Can you trade out two of those coffees for a glass of water? If they say, well, that's easy, and they think it's easy to do, then it'd be okay, then that's that's your goal this week. So now mm-hmm. we've cut back on some caffeine, and we've increased their water. And if they can do that easily, it's like, well, can we add one more cup? So for one client, it might be that they're only that four is their goal, because that's what's going to work for them at that time. 
Mm-hmm. And depending on how often they work out, like I work out a lot. I work out a couple of times a day. Um, I've had kidney stones, so I need to make sure I get lots of water. For me, I need to have at least 12 glasses of water a day. I'm only 5'2". I only weigh like 107 pounds. So most people would say, well, she doesn't need 12 glasses of water. But for my body, I do. For what I'm doing and what my body's been through, I know I need 12 glasses. Right. Wow. So it really depends on the person. Yeah, it's very individual. I like that. Man, we've, you have really shared a whole lot of golden nuggets in this. And, you know, I hope for our listeners, all the, you know, the women are, that are in middle age and 50 and even over 50 are feeling a lot more encouraged about their lifestyle change journey. Um, they're, the only thing between you and success is your mind. Um, you know, listen to all the the wisdom that Lisa shared with us today, you know, reach out to your doctor before you get started and then find someone locally, um, personal trainers. It's not as uh, much of an investment as you think. And even if it is, it's going to be cheaper than surgery any way you look at it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um you know, I do still have a few more questions, but before I get to that, I want to make sure that people know how to find you. So, um, you know, your website is bodyandsoulcoaching.com, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And on all social media, is it Body and Soul Coaching or is it Lisa Swanson? Uh, social media is all Lisa Swanson Fit. Okay. All right. And actually, and- if you do my Actually, you could go to either my Facebook, which is, you know, facebook.com slash Lisa Swanson Fit. And I believe there's a link there, but I do offer a free Facebook group that would go um, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash free get fit group. And that's there for support. And I'm in there daily. Lots of other women in the same boat. So it's a nice community for support. Okay. That's great that you offer a free group. That's, you know, a lot of times, you know, they just need to get their feet wet a little bit They're you know, dip their toes in the water. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And get some information that's not, you know, there's so much information out there. It's so very confusing. And if they're confused about some information, they can ask me a question. I go in there, not just, you know, posting things, but I also go in live to answer their questions. And if I have a promotion of something going on, they'll be the first ones to hear about it. Yeah, that's that's really great. That's awesome. Well, I thank you so much for your time today, but I still have more questions if you have some more time. <laughs> sure, I have a few more minutes. Okay, thank you so much for that. So let's talk a little bit about flexibility and balance. Why is that so important? Well, for one, being flexible allows us to move our bodies the way that they were meant to move. And also works your muscles through a full range of motion. One of the first things I hear people tell me after a few weeks, what they notice right away is like, you know what? I'm able to run up the stairs without holding on. Hmm. Or I can get in and out of my car so much easier. I can reach the dishes up on the top shelf of the cabinet so much easier. (laughs) So their, their bodies are starting to move through a full range of motion. And that's that's the activities of daily living. And that's really what we want to be able to do, right? We want to be able to live our lives feeling confident and strong, no matter what we're doing. Not It's not about just going into the gym so that you can lift 30 pound weights. It's so that you can feel great throughout the day and be able to do lots of things or get onto your bike and balance yourself beautifully. There's a lot of core work going on when you're riding a yes. bike. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) I want my clients to be able to continue to be active as they go through their life. And if they're lacking flexibility, they're going to get hurt because you could have, let's just say your hamstrings are really tight, which is popular. Hamstrings are the quadriceps. There's an imbalance going on there. One muscle is tighter than the other. You're going to pull a muscle as you try to move, change directions um, rather quickly. You could end up pulling a muscle. So you want to make sure that they're flexible and and the balance part of it you want to balance will help you to resist a fall so if you're about to fall but you have great balance you probably can right yourself pretty quickly and avoid that fall altogether so balance is very important 
Right. And another thing about those, you know, about flexibility and balance, you were talking about your client who's pretty active. It's more fun, right? So it's one thing to work with a personal trainer and have that routine going, but isn't life so much more fun when you can actually go and do other, you know, cool things to stay in shape, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. Who wants to, and you, know, you talked about riding a bike, you know, maybe riding a horse, you know, hiking, all those kind of fun, even walking on the beach because sand can throw you off balance, you know? That's so, right. Right. That's a great yeah. thing. Um, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Preventing falls. We went over all that, handling the fall better. And yeah, and the problems with the joints. I, I'm not sure if I had mentioned the joints yet. Like if you have one muscle, I did mention one muscle pulling, you can pull the muscle. But also now if your muscles are tight on one side and looser on the other, think about somebody sitting at a desk mm-hmm. and they're facing forward all the time. Their arms are forward or they've got their their um, iPhones in, in front of their face and they're looking down all the time. Mm-hmm. So think of the body. Now you've got the muscles in front, in the front of your neck your anterior deltoids, your pectoral muscles are all getting shortened. But in the back, you've got your posterior deltoids, the back part of the shoulder, your rhomboids and your trapezius, which is the back of the middle middle of the upper back. Those are all elongated mm-hmm. and becoming stretched out, overly stretched. So now think, what's that going to do to your posture? Now you're rolling forward. If that's mm-hmm. rolling forward, now your shoulders are not sitting properly in the socket. So now your shoulders off, which is going to cause problems in your elbow. If your elbows are off, it's going to cause problems in your wrist. You know, right. So, yeah. It's just a domino effect. Everything's going right. the wrong direction. <laughs> yes. They do say one bone is connected to the other bone, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. What's that song when we were kids? Yeah. It the, was something. Right. Oh, the bones connected to the shin bone. Right. <laughs> right. They are all connected. So yeah, yeah. So you get joint pains and aches and pains and everything like that, and, and maybe that'll make you fall over. I don't know, <laughs> but you gotta stay upright. You gotta stay upright. So, what is the best routine to gain flexibility and balance? Um, I mean, I know the older I've, I was always doing Pilates. Like I started Pilates in my 30s, but um, since I've been in my 40s, I've been doing yoga, and the yoga instructor always tells me that the, you know, the cat cow, it helps with the fluid flowing through your spine and that keeps you young and it keeps you flexible. What, what other routines uh, can people do? Well, just basic stretching, knowing a stretching routine that's going to work on each of the major muscle groups is great. And to go through it at least a couple of times a week. And I think people also need to know that you have to hold on to your muscle, that stretch rather, for at least 30 seconds. If you want it to be beneficial, you can't just stretch a muscle, hold it for five seconds and say you're done. That's not going to do anything. You need to, they, they talk about the plasticity on the end of the muscles. And if you want to relax that, that's the stiffness. If you want to relax that and let it go, you need to hold that for at least 30 seconds. But even before you stretch, it's really important to foam roll. And this is the one area in working out that you say, yeah, it's going to be painful. <laughs> no, <laughs> no pain, no gain. I wouldn't say that for the other parts, but foam rolling can be painful because it's myofascial release and you're getting rid of knots in the muscle and that can be painful. The reason it's important that you foam roll first before stretching is because just imagine an elastic band and you tie a knot in it and then pull that band. What's going to happen to the knot? It's just going to get tighter and tighter. Right. So what you need to do is release that knot and then stretch. And you're going to get a lot more benefit out. So now that knot won't be there. Oxygen's flowing nicely through the entire muscle and you can stretch further. So just foam, I would say foam roll first, then stretch. Warm up, foam roll, stretch. Yeah, that that's a really awesome point. And, and um, like I watched my husband, husband use the foam roller and I was like, oh, I don't need that. And <laughs> then... You know, I had uh, some of my muscles getting so tight and I just wasn't benefiting from my workout at all. And so he was like, you probably need to use my foam roller. And I'm like, let me see that thing. (laughs) (laughs) But I see a big difference now. And yeah, it's uh, 
it definitely it definitely helps to release yeah, and um, feels so much better. So so thank you so much, Lisa, for um, for being here today and for sharing your wealth of knowledge with everybody. And if you want to know more about Lisa and connect with her, I would say you know definitely tap into her free group, the bit.ly forward slash free get fit group. Um, and, you know, to see all the amazing things she offers, go to her website, bodyandsoulcoaching.com. Thank you so much, Lisa, and Thank you. for being here today. Yes, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Cordelia. All right. Well, have a beautiful day. Did you go to think